Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Good morning. Buenos dias. Welcome. Bienvenidos. How good it is to be worshiping together today. For those who are worshiping online, if you could take a moment and say, hey, tell everyone where you're worshiping from. Just write that in the comments. For those who are in person in the sanctuary, you could turn to a neighbor, give a wave, a hiya, a hello. <laughs> How good it is to see everyone. Uh, for those who are worshiping at MCCLV today for the very first time, there's a welcome to MCC card. It's in your pew. If you could fill that out and just drop it in the offering plate when it comes by. Of course, we'd never expect a first-time visitor to give anything in the offering plate, but if you could just fill out that card and place it in the offering plate. For those worshiping online, there will be a form posted momentarily, uh, and you can uh, fill that out and uh, let us know a little bit more about yourself. Um, this is a reminder that we will be having communion both in person and online. Um, and so if you are at home, you can get your bread, your carb, your cracker, uh, get your juice ready so you can participate in that communion liturgy. For those worshiping in person, you received a communion kit on your way in. If you didn't receive a communion kit, if you could put a hand up in the air, we can get that for you. It looks like everyone is good to go. Um, and just a reminder, if you could like and share the worship broadcast, uh, that would be super helpful. There is someone out there who needs to hear a good word from God today. Uh, so just uh, click the like button and click the share button. That would be uh, wonderful. If you're worshiping in person, it's okay for you to take out your phone uh, and do that. That, uh, that would be great. And I believe that completes our announcements. You heard already in the, in the um, recorded announcements, we have all sorts of fabulous activities, classes, opportunities uh, going on right now at MCCLV, and we sure hope uh, to uh, see you at, at some of that. And so that completes our worship-related announcements. If you could please rise as able. Let's join in saying together the church's purpose statement. MCCLV's purpose is to worship and serve God through acts of justice and compassion. Now let's share a sign of peace with one another. For those worshiping online, type the word peace into the comments. For those in person, give the peace sign. Let's give the peace sign to one another. Praise be to God. And let's join now in our opening song.
Christ calls us to be real and walk in integrity with him. We accept the call, confident in Christ's leadership. We are ready to serve God in all that we do, for God's love has been poured upon us. Open our hearts and spirits this day, God, to receive your holy words and to be challenged in our service to you. Amen. You may be seated as we continue to worship. Amen. 
Amen. We may have heard the phrase that confession is good for the soul. There's a cleansing that comes when we get real with God and when we confess to God. Every other Sunday we do a confession that's a unison confession and then we switch it up and we do a silent confession. I like a unison confession because I'm in this with my siblings in Christ. We're in this confessing business together. So will you join me now in our unison confession? Forgive us, patient God. Forgive our arrogance, our ignorance, and our pettiness. Forgive us when we could have done something to help someone else, but chose instead to turn away. Forgive us when we, by our attitudes and language, our thoughts and actions, have gone against your will. You are with us, God. You lead us daily in right paths and offer to us the bread of life. You stand with us in times of trial and in the presence of those whom we fear, giving us your abundant love. And then you offer to us a place in your eternal home. How can we doubt your presence? Help us to trust you. Help us to praise you. And remember that you have called us to be your faithful witnesses and justice workers in this world. Give us strength and courage, joy and peace for your calling on our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Savior, we pray. Amen. Now for those who are worshiping online, we invite you to type into the comments any prayer requests that you may have, any situations, circumstances, beloved ones on your heart, on your mind, uh, who we need to lift up to the light. If you could write those prayer requests, again, directly into the comments. For those who are worshiping in person in the sanctuary, I am going to pause in just a moment and we'll speak our prayer requests out loud uh, into, uh, into the sanctuary. Uh, and God hears our prayers, whether they're spoken aloud, written down, or whether they remain on our hearts. And so we have established praying ground. This is sacred space. And so let's pause now and lift up our prayers. We praise you, God, for this time of worship. And we want this time to honor you and glorify you. Today you have provided us with a pretty dramatic scripture passage with Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. And Lord God, we sense that you are calling us to a different kind of life. The kind of life that isn't just going through the motions, but a life that is full of meaning and hope and grace and forgiveness and mercy. We want to know more, God. We want to grow in your love. We humbly ask that you hear our prayers and that you transform our lives. 
God, strengthen us where we are weak. Focus us where we are distracted. Heal us where we are hurting. And continue to show us where we are to serve in the name of your chosen one, Jesus. And let's all say, amen. reading today comes from chapter 2 of the gospel according to John. Hear God's word for you. The Passover was near and Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple. He found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves and the money changers seated at the tables. Making a whip of cords, Jesus drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Jesus told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making God's house a marketplace. The disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The religious authorities then said to Jesus, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The authorities then said, The temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you, will you raise it up in three days? But J Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. After Jesus was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that Jesus had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. When Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in Jesus' name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone, for Jesus knew what was in everyone. Here ends today's reading. Praise God that God's work is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Praise God indeed. Church, will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. We humbly ask, Lord God, that you continue to pour out your spirit upon our worship today. Amen. Just a reminder that uh, MCCLV loves children and would love to serve families. And so 
Uh, if you have grandkids, kids, nieces, nephews, neighbor kids, uh, invite them to MCCLV uh, at 11.30 on Sundays. We have a wonderful children's ministry. Well, welcome to MCCLV's celebration today of the United States federal holiday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., now, for those who are worshiping in person, the holiday is tomorrow. For those who are worshiping with the worship broadcast, the holiday happened this past Monday. So on the Sunday that we honor Reverend King's life and the civil rights movement, we often have a reading from one of the prophetic books of the Bible, right? So uh, on MLK Sunday, we've used that passage from the prophet Isaiah where God speaks through the prophet Isaiah, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. We've uh, used a passage from the prophet Micah, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And we've also used a passage from the prophet Amos, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Now we've also used on MLK Sunday a variety of passages from the Gospels, including the parable of the Good Samaritan, as well as passages from the book of Revelation. And this year, we use a passage that at first may not seem to have very much to do with Reverend Martin Luther King or with racial justice, but if we take a closer look, I think it is a scripture passage that urgently speaks to our time. I think it urgently speaks to faith communities and asks us, to take a long, hard look at ourselves. Now, part of Jesus' ministry while he was on earth was about helping people and helping faith communities get real with themselves and to stop faking their way through spirituality. Uh, let's all say, uh-oh. <laughs> so that was, that was part of Jesus' ministry, calling us on our stuff. And the passage today tells us that the Passover was near, and that Jesus went up to the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was Jewish, and he knew all about the festivals, right? He knew about the importance of the temple in Jerusalem as a center for religious practice. But Jesus gets to the temple, and he is appalled. He is absolutely appalled with what he witnesses. And the problem is not that people were selling cattle, sheep, and doves. People needed to purchase these animals in order to participate in the temple rituals. Okay, Remember in ancient Judaism, the, uh, the priests would practice animal sacrifice as a way of connecting people with God. And traveling with animals in ancient times, this was difficult. And so what merchants would do is they would sell the animals in the outer courts of the temple. And likewise, the problem was not that there were money changers present in the temple. People came in to Jerusalem with different kinds of currency, and they needed to exchange it in the temple so that they could make their purchases of various animals. Now, the problem again, okay, the problem again is not with the sale of animals or having a currency exchange in those outer courts of the temple. With Jesus, it always goes deeper than the surface, right? Jesus' issue is what? Jesus' issue is with our hearts and with our attitudes. If our hearts, if our attitudes are not oriented to God, then religion is a joke and spirituality is meaningless. 
And we hear in this passage today that Jesus makes a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep, the cattle. Jesus also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. I was thinking about doing that same sort of thing here today, but it is, it's, it's really dramatic, okay? It's, just, it's overly uh, dramatic. And Jesus told the people who were selling doves, take these things out of here. Stop making God's house a marketplace. And again, this seems really dramatic. Why is Jesus so angry? Well, Jesus is infuriated with the empty practice of religion and spirituality. Again, Jesus is angry with the empty practice of religion and spirituality. A spirituality that is just for show is not spirituality, right? A religion that's just about going through the motions is not religion. The practice of spirituality and religion depends on authenticity. God expects us to be present and to be aware and not to use spirituality as a way to gain power or to make money or simply to feel good about oneself. Religion and spirituality are about experiencing the presence and power of God. And for Jesus, people selling animals and, and exchanging currency, these, these merchants were not focused enough on God. And what these merchants were doing, they, they were drawing people away from authentic worship of God. Instead, spirituality was becoming just another thing, right? Nothing special, nothing set apart. The merchants, they were just trying to sell stuff. They were just trying to get the currency exchanged rather than looking forward to honoring and celebrating God in the temple. For the merchants, it was just another empty transaction. They weren't, approach, uh, they weren't approaching things in a spiritually centered way. So since it was a religious holiday in Jerusalem, it was likely really busy in and around the temple, and the crowds might get the wrong impression that God is more about commerce than God is about holiness, okay? Are you following me uh, so far? All right, so this has continued to be a vexing issue for the church. If the church markets itself too much, it's accused of what? Selling out. But churches do need to get the word out about God's presence and, and power. Now, folks may know that MCCLV doesn't have a significant advertising or marketing budget, right? I think most of us uh, know that. We have to rely on members and friends telling people about the God that they've met here. That's why we ask people to like and share MCCLV's online worship broadcast so that more people may be reached to hear about the inclusive love of God. And any church has to ask itself, well, is the marketing and the advertising for God or is it for some other purpose? Is the advertising to inform people about ministry or is it to just increase numbers and do something just to do something? Well, the church is never to do something just to do something, right? The church gathers in order to experience the love, grace, redemption, justice, and salvation of our God. On this next slide, we have the late, great evangelical author, A.W. Tozer, and he wrote this, It is possible to run a church and all of its activity without the Holy Spirit. You get it all organized, and the organization part 
is not bad. Now he goes on to write, but I'm warning about getting organized and turning the crank. He says some people think that's all there is to it. The Holy Spirit can be absent and the church goes on turning the crank and nobody finds out about it for years and years. What a tragedy, he writes, that this can happen in the Christian church, but it doesn't have to be that way. So writes A.W. Tozer. So going through the motions of spirituality, just going through the motions, harms people who are authentically seeking God. Just going through the motions, it also does what? Well, it dishonors God, right? Now, we don't have to understand every little bit about religion. We don't need to have perfect prayers. Apologies. I'm, uh, it seems like whenever I kind of wave my arms is when that's happening. So I'm going to stop trying to wave my arms uh, so frequently. I'll stand, like, I'll stand at attention. Um, so again, we don't have to understand every little bit about religion. We don't have to have perfect prayers. We need only seek God. We need to only be about seeking after the Lord. Now there was a report recently about churches using big data to get the word out about their communities. And on this next slide, according to an article in the Wall Street Journal, and this was written by a reporter named Khadija Safdar, more than 30,000 churches, more than 30,000 churches have signed up for the services of a company called Glue. And that's their logo up there, Glue, G-L-O-O. And like businesses and political campaigns, these 30,000 churches who have uh, signed up for these services, they are looking for targeted data so that they can purchase ads that they think people would be receptive to. And uh, these folks would have the potential to become church members or receive help from the church. Uh, this data company, Glue, says that it can predict the characteristics of people who might have a marriage in trouble, who might be suffering from depression or anxiety, or have a propensity for drug addiction based on data analysis. Let's all say yikes, right? Yikes, right? Now, on this next slide, remember that every search that we do online, every post that we make on social media is used by data companies to predict our future behavior and sell us stuff. Every click we make online. These big data companies have been doing it for years to all of us, and I really don't want to know what my data profile <laughs> looks like based on my internet searches, right? I, I really don't want to know that. But the big data companies sure know all sorts of things about me. They probably know me better than I know myself. It's totally creepy, and it's totally the norm. Nothing is private online. Again, every place we click uh, is known by multiple uh, companies. Now, I always find it particularly hilarious when people say they don't want the government in their business. The government isn't the problem in 2022. It's the businesses that are in our business, okay? Now, we don't want government surveillance by any means. I'm not <laughs> arguing that, right? We don't want government surveillance. Uh, but we already have let large corporations have all sorts of deep surveillance on our day-to-day -day lives. Now, in a statement from that company, Glue, G-L-O-O, 
uh, that data marketing firm that's helping 30,000 churches, the statement says that the company started with a moral imperative to give churches access to the same kind of data and technology used by major corporations. I am not at all convinced that it's a moral imperative for churches to use the same practices as large corporations. And I sometimes think that data is a shortcut for the hard work of reaching people in ways that are more impactful. For instance, in 1996, I ran a political campaign out of a central office in Dubuque, Iowa. And my task, I was tasked with organizing uh, three counties in eastern Iowa. And it was for a political party for statewide offices, Congress, as well as a US Senate campaign. So it was a coordinated campaign. And there were a couple of volunteers that were at that office almost every day, doing whatever needed to be done that particular day. And then a couple times, a volunteer would come to the office saying, this happened a couple of times, saying that they wanted to give speeches. And I would try to be patient. <laughs> I would try. I would try to be patient and explain that before giving a speech at a political rally, the person needed to join with us in doing the work of what? Phone banking, going door to door, right? Handing out leaflets at parades and festivals. And there was very little interest, right, in doing these more difficult tasks from these folks who wanted to give speeches. But a political campaign is never successful based on speeches by supporters or even the candidates. It's never successful based on text messages that are sent out or social media reach or even advertising. Millions upon millions of advertising dollars have been spent on political campaigns that have enriched advertising agencies but have not gotten candidates elected. A campaign only works well based on if the political organization is able to get people out to vote. That's it. That is the only way that it's uh, successful, that it works well. Now, if we want to know why protecting voting rights is such a critical issue right now in the United States, it's because if candidates can corrupt the voting process, then free and fair elections are imperiled. Democracy is damaged. It's a big deal. We always want states to have the most professional, nonpartisan, and transparent election administration system so that the election results are what? They're absolutely clear and cannot be fussed with. Some people might be thinking, hey, Gaudi, getting out the vote is completely different than getting people to a faith community. But is it that different? We want people to participate in an inclusive democracy. And we want people to participate and be a part of experiencing God in an inclusive setting. I think sometimes churches shy away from the harder work of reaching people with what? Phone calls, going door to door, handing out leaflets at festivals. Although hats off to MCCLV, MCCLV participated in a record number of pride festivals this past year. Yes, yay. Reaching people, reaching people in those old-fashioned ways. Uh, in person, handing out leaflets. 
Churches need to go to people rather than always expecting people to come to them. It is both and. Churches are to reach out and churches are to warmly welcome people to their communities. Jesus' ministry, certainly both and. He went to people and he also welcomed people who came to him. And Jesus' outreach was what? It was inclusive reaching people from all sorts of different backgrounds, including people who were living on the margins of society. Jesus went to a wide variety of people. A wide variety of people came to him. Successful tax collectors, people with leprosy, parents with ill children, prostitutes, soldiers, people with religious authority. It was a beautiful, glorious mix of people that that Jesus went to and that came to him. Now, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement was all about inclusion. Civil rights advocates fought, bled, and sometimes died for an end to discrimination. And civil rights advocates pushed for more inclusivity in government, entertainment, business, sports, education, and voting. Now, for many people in the civil rights movement, their religious commitments were inseparable from their political commitments. In one of his last pieces of writing, the late civil rights legend and congressman, John Lewis, he focused on forgiveness. Now remember John Lewis, he's on this next slide. John Lewis was beaten numerous times during the civil rights movement, and his skull carried the scars for the rest of his life. Now, due to his deep Christian faith, Lewis was able to forgive people who physically assaulted him in the 1960s. And for John Lewis, forgiveness was not just a personal spiritual choice. It was a political act, one that brought with it legislative and and policy opportunities that sought justice. So in an essay, this, this quote is from an essay that he wrote titled On Forgiveness. And he wrote that his hope is that forgiveness becomes a greater part of our national character. Praise be to God. That forgiveness becomes a greater part of our national character. One of the men who beat Lewis felt the need to seek forgiveness. One man who assaulted John Lewis, his name was Elwyn Wilson. And he beat up Lewis at a bus station in Montgomery, Alabama. This was in 1961. And 48 years later, in 2009, this man, Elwin Lewis, he traveled to Washington, D.C. to apologize to Lewis for his violent acts. And Lewis, he freely forgave the man who beat him. And in a later interview with the New York Times, John Lewis said, it's in keeping with the philosophy of nonviolence. That's what the movement was always about, to have the capacity to forgive and move toward reconciliation. Praise be to God. Forgiveness is not something we are capable of doing on our own or through our own willpower. We do it relying on the grace and power of God. And forgiveness involves a great deal of sacrifice. We sacrifice the need to get even. We sacrifice the need to get revenge, and we enter into reconciliation. 
Now some might point out that Jesus does not seem particularly forgiving with the merchants in today's uh, scripture passage. What does he do? He makes a whip. Jesus turns over the tables. He disrupts long-held business practices. What Jesus is doing is it's something called a prophetic act. He's doing a prophetic act. The most basic definition of a prophet is one through whom God speaks. God speaks through prophets. And so a prophetic act is an act through which God is making something clear. God wants the temple for God and God's purposes. God wants the whole world for God. Now, there are often too many people in the community who are unwilling to sacrifice anything for God, and so God sometimes has to shake things up, right? Like God does through Jesus in today's scripture passage. A relationship with God necessitates a variety of sacrifices, like the sacrifice of the old way of doing things, or the sacrifice of time, or the sacrifice of our will for God's will. Now the sacrifice is never so that someone else gets ahead while we fall behind. That's what the world thinks sacrifice is, right? The world thinks sacrifice is that someone gives something up and others take advantage and get ahead. Now it should be said that the sacrifice is never for the church so that the church advances. It's never about the church getting a bigger building or a bigger reputation. The sacrifice is so that God is glorified and that God is magnified and that God is honored and God is revered and God is enlarged in our corner of the world. Jesus told the religious authorities, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The authorities are confused. They ask Jesus, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and you'll raise it up in three days? But Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. So Jesus' crucifixion was the ultimate sacrifice. He suffered, died, and was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. Magnificent religious buildings like the temple, they're nice, but if they're not about God, then they've lost their purpose. If there's no spiritual community that's willing to make the sacrifices necessary to make the building about God, then it's best to do something else with the building. Thousands of church buildings around the world that are no longer about God should be sold to groups that are about God or should be decommissioned as religious buildings. Now churches can market their buildings and churches can market their programs, but if there's no body of Christ that is present, that has energy for God, then the marketing is for naught. Now, Jesus doesn't let us avoid sacrifice for too long, right? We may be coasting along for some time, and then Jesus crashes our party. He turns over tables and disrupts our plans and insists that we take spirituality seriously and that we practice our religion faithfully. Now, we can accuse Jesus of being a party pooper, <laughs> or in light of today's scripture passage, we can renew our commitment to seeking God fully and authentically with everything that we have and all that we are. On this next slide, I think we know what the better option is. We need not call Jesus a party pooper. Jesus certainly parties when it's time to party. Just last week, we heard about Jesus partying at that wedding 
and Cana. Spirituality is not a joyless pursuit. Now, seeking after God is the central pursuit of our lives. And it's going to be fun sometimes. It's going to be serious sometimes. It's going to be easy sometimes. It's going to be hard sometimes. It's going to be interesting sometimes. It's going to be boring sometimes. It's going to make sense sometimes. It's going to be confusing sometimes. And on and on and on. What matters is that we are seeking God fully and authentically with everything we have and with all that we are. So let's take some time in prayer now. Let's pray for us. Let's pray for all who are seeking God. God, we know that your chosen one, Jesus, is calling us to a deeper life. A life, Lord God, that is more about you, where you are not an afterthought, but instead you are our first thought. Enliven us, re-energize us for a life that is full of you and your spirit. We want to thank you especially this day for the life and prophetic ministry of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and countless civil rights advocates who have made a better world. Keep us all focused, Lord God. Keep us all focused on justice and compassion, we pray. Amen.
Amen. And so we share now in the Lord's Prayer. Use whatever term for God you most feel comfortable with that most connects you with the Lord. And let's pray. Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Will God be with you? Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Praise be to God for this inclusive table of love and for the gift of Jesus Christ. On the night on which Jesus was given over to suffering and death through the betrayal of a friend, on this night, Jesus, he took bread, he blessed it, broke it, and then he passed it to his friends who were gathered there with him saying, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Whenever you eat of this bread, do so in remembrance of me. And then Jesus, he took a cup, again he blessed it, passed it to his friends, saying, take, drink, this is the cup of your salvation, for the forgiveness of sins. And let us pray. Loving God, bless these gifts of bread and fruit of the vine. We thank you, God, for the forgiveness we experience around this table. We thank you for the joy that we feel gathering around your inclusive table. We receive your never-ending love and your healing, and we are grateful how good it is to commune with you, O Lord. Amen. Our faith is a mixture of past, present, and future. We remember what God did for us in Christ. We experience now the spirit of the living Christ, and we look forward to God's continuing promise to us of, of growth and new life. And so let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And let's share now in the gifts of Jesus Christ.
Indeed, God, you are all we want. You are all we've ever needed. Thank you for your presence and your power during this time of worship and during every moment of our lives. Lord God, we humbly ask that you grow our faith and just keep pouring that amazing, never-ending, steadfast love upon us. Amen. If you could please rise as able. Let's join in saying together our commission and blessing. Jesus leads us forward from this place into the world to serve God's people, to witness to God's love in all that we do. Praise God for this time in worship, which sustains us and rejuvenates us. Amen. We shall not be moved, although we go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. Vaya con Dios. Walk with God. Amen.